0: Well, we're working our way through how to know God and the aspect of salvation. And we've been here for quite a few weeks. We've looked at repentance, a change of direction or mind. Regeneration, a change of nature. Redemption, a change of position. From being imprisoned to being released and having liberty. Reconciliation, a change of relationships. Befriended again. (laughs) Back to talking on talking terms. Um, Conversion, a change of life. Adoption, a change of status or family. And last week we looked at sanctification, a change of behavior. This week we're looking at, if you'd like to follow in your bulletin there, In the outline, justification, justification, a change of state, a change of state. What a wonderful thing salvation is! Wonderful privilege that we as mortals have to participate in this. We were not, we became, we were born in the flesh, and then we met the Lord and born again we were and the Lord declares us as justified what a wonderful change of state it is to be justified we don't really completely understand all the implications of all these things we talk about but it is a a blessed state to be in it's a permanent state too It's not in and out and up and down. (laughs) But because we're human, we feel that way. It is uh, fluctuating. It's not. And so justification, a change of state. Let's pray and ask the Lord to, to lead us through his word. We won't be looking at all the verses that have the word used in them, but a majority of those. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that... Each one who has believed on you, that has been born again, regenerated, reconciled, is justified too. Lord, what a a privilege is ours to know that we have that. And to exercise that privilege of being justified. Lord, it wasn't our doing, it was your doing. You were the one that thought of this. You are the one that brought it to pass. You made it possible through your son's sacrifice. And Lord, we enter into all the wonderful things that he provided for us. And I pray, Lord, for those that may be here or listening, listening in today, that if they're not justified before God, that today would be the day when they can stand before God just as if they had not sinned. What a privilege, and we enter into all the benefits of sons and daughters. We pray for that in their lives. We pray for us as Christians who have been justified and stand in that, that we would count it a wonderful thing and that we would unceasingly praise you as the psalmist did for this, our standing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we do pray for those that cannot be here because of illness or sickness. You'd strengthen them. We thank you for those that come even though they don't feel that well. Lord, they love to be in fellowship and in the house of the Lord and not forsaking the assembling of themselves. Thank you for that. Lord, we pray for our missionaries that are away from their families and fellowships and Lord, that you'd meet that particular need that they have and that you'd empower them to do your work in those countries to which you've called them. And we pray, Lord, that we'd be praying constantly for them as you bring them to mind, upholding them, that a wonderful work would be done and only eternity will see the results of what they have laboured in in their fields. Bless us now as we seek your face and may you be lifted up and we see Jesus only, in whose name we pray. Amen. Let's go through these these thoughts this morning and count the blessings. And sing that song, couldn't we? <laughs> count your blessings, name them one by one. Well, first of all under justification, the change of state, we've been presented perfect before God. That's a place we have being justified. And if we understand how sinful we were before we were justified, It's a wonderful place to be in. You read, if you don't understand how sinful you and I were, read Romans chapter 3 particularly. One and two you can include. But you'll find there that we were under great condemnation, all of sinned and come short of the glory of God, there's a conclusion. But now we have been presented perfect before God. Colossians, first of all, Colossians chapter 1. And verse 20 through to 22. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. You see, these doctrines are often mentioned together. <laughs> We've already covered reconciliation, but in 22, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. God has done that for us when we believed. That we can be presented who were unholy people, holy, unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. So when Satan goes there to accuse the brethren... (laughs) Before the Lord, God can say, no, they are holy, they are unblameable, and they're unreprovable in his sight because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. We've been justified. And to remember the meaning of it, I think simply it can be put just as if I had never sinned. And that's why we can be presented this way before the Lord. Ephesians, just back in Ephesians, chapter 5 and verse 27. We have this thought, that he might present it to himself, talking of the church, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish. Holy and without blemish before God. Justified, just as if I had not sinned at all. Only God can do this. For us, And Jude, the last little epistle before Revelation in Jude and verse 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. He's waiting for the day and so are we. <laughs> A joyful day that we might be presented faultless before the presence of his glory. And as you sit there, you can think back even through the week or the month or the year and think of all the things that you have transgressed against God in. But he can present you faultless before the presence of his glory for what was done on Calvary. Just as if you had not sinned. And we ought to count that as a wonderful thing. Do you sense that? Or are you under the cloud that, boy, I'm so bad, God doesn't want to listen to me. God doesn't want me in his presence. And the opposite is true. He's looking for all with anticipation, us being there with him, that we might fellowship with him for eternity. So, presented before God perfect. Realize that it's the truth of the word of god it's not me saying this you've seen that how we the word hasn't been used yet in the verses we've looked at but the idea of being presented perfect has been and god's looking forward as we do secondly we have been brought at peace with god romans where we had our reading this morning chapter 5 and verse 1 therefore being justified by faith We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Going down to verse 9, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. How great is that wrath? How great is the punishment upon sinners' heads who go out unjustified into eternity. We've been saved from that through him because we've been just being able to present it just as if we had not sinned, much more being now justified. And how was it that we were justified, according to this verse? By his blood. <clears throat> Remember Brother Glenn Spencer? Yeah. What was the emphasis that he put on? Or what did he emphasize? What did he love singing about? The blood. (laughs) And uh, he'd talk about it. And I think we ought to talk more about the shed blood of the Lord Jesus by which our sins have been washed away and we've been cleansed and presented just as if we've been never sinned. Saved from wrath through him. And this is how the peace has come between us and God. Through him. Through what he has done. In verse 10, For if when we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. By whom we have received the atonement, as it says in the next verse. We've brought, been brought at peace with God. Verse 16 of the same chapter. And not as, uh, as it was by one that sinned. <clears throat> He's talking about Adam. We all sinned in him. So is the gift for the judgment was why, by one. To condemnation through Adam and Eve's sin, but to condemnation. But the free gift is of many offences unto what? Justification, unto justification, the free gift of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's by faith, it's by His blood, according in verse one and verse nine, and uh, by Him being chastised in. Isaiah, Old Testament, chapter 53, verse 5, it reads, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement, the punishment for our peace was upon Him. He took the payment, we got the peace. (laughs) And with His stripes we are healed. And so it's by his chastisement that we receive justification and we can be brought to be at peace with God. And in Acts ten thirty six, it talks there, by the Lord Jesus Christ, we are brought to be at peace with God. There is the different aspects of peace, like Romans 5, verse 1, maybe you're still there, where it speaks of the peace that is we have been brought to be with God we have peace with God what were we before we were Christians we were the enemies we talked about reconciliation all these things tie together so there is the peace with God that is a result of salvation if you're not saved you're not a Christian you're not at peace with God you're at enmity with him and you need to be brought at peace with God by believing by faith on Him. So there's a peace with God. And over in Philippians chapter 4, there is the peace of God. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This is the peace that comes when dire circumstances are our lot and we can pray and supplicate and we can have that peace of God that comes knowing our situation that God is, is in control we'll be getting to romans 8 shortly and verse 28 a verse that we love to quote god is in control and we know that and if we know that we can have the peace of god in every situation i mean who has to confess here today that at times we don't have that peace of god <laughs> because we just start trusting and looking at the flesh we try we, we think of all the situations and circumstances and say, no, it's not possible. We forget God. <laughs> we need, and we can have the peace of God at all times. Can you imagine those people that have been martyred and the peace of God that they had or had to have to go through that martyrdom that they faced? <laughs> Some have said, and I, I think it's true, it's easier to die for God than to live for God. Because every day you have to face it, all the temptations are you. If you die, you're out of here and you're with the Lord. But we can have the peace of God throughout all of life for knowing that he is in control. He is sovereign. He is Lord. So there's peace with God. There's a peace of God. And all this comes through justification. And there's a peace from God. And often, particularly the Apostle Paul introduced the books that he starts with, Uh, talking to a a particular church in a particular town um, there is the peace from God and he prays that peace from God upon them and it's because they are surrendered to the Lord like for instance, well, no I'm not there Romans chapter 1 verse 7 and you can read a lot of the books where in the introductory introduction there is that issue of peace from God peace from God we often might say that to somebody uh, peace from God It's a a salutation, a greeting. Then there's the peace on earth. Is there peace on earth? Not really. There's turmoil everywhere. In every country, there's there's people butting heads. There's countries uh, wanting to fight each other. The Iranians and the English people are... At uh, at each other over those oil tankers, in that strait of whatever it's called, and just just uh, yesterday there's another one, a BHP tanker coming out, fully laden with a frigate, an English frigate guiding it, and the Iranians come with their speed gun gun gunboats charging at it, and the English warned them off, and said any closer and that's it, and they they backed off this time. So, but it could just explode. (laughs) so easily there's not peace on earth only time peace will be on earth is when the the prince of peace is here and he brings that peace and it talks about that in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 and, and Psalm 72 and verse 7 and until he comes and as it were enforces the peace there won't be the peace and I've shared with some of you that on Wednesday this week you know, we have no worries. We don't have to be concerned about it. But uh, a large meteor went between us and the moon. It was the size of the Great Pyramid of Egypt. Did you hear it on the news? No. <laughs> and imagine that. It was about 100, 130 metres across if that had slammed into somewhere. They said it would have affected life on Earth but it, it whizzed past at 70 times the speed of sound. You like can't imagine that. And and no one knew about it. And how many others go past that don't see it? And they didn't see it until three hours before it got here. They were looking at other ones, and then all of a sudden this blip come up. But does a Christian have to worry? Or is going to, oh, you know, we're going to be hit by a meteor. Praise God I'll be in heaven. Because <laughs> I'm justified, just as if I'd not sinned. <laughs> Who would be concerned about it is unsaved people because this is all they've got. Well, We've got something far better in the Lord Jesus Christ. Flesh and blood does not inherit the kingdom of God. And praise God that he will give us a new body, a glorified body one day and we can have this peace with God and the peace of God and, and knowing that he's in control of all these sort of things that go on. And, and don't worry, the, they said the next one's not going to... Well, the one that's going to hit the earth is in 2135. I don't know how they figured that, figured that out. But uh, by that time, they'll have rockets to be able to go out and just push it away a little bit. And, but who's going to be there anyway? <laughs> we'll all be gone. We won't be living past that age, I think. What, what are we? Yeah, no, you'd have to be 120 or something at that time. Ah, we have the peace of God that passes all understanding no matter what comes or goes. We are at rest and at peace with him because we've been justified, (laughs) made just as if we had not sinned. I think by the end of the sermon you'll remember what justification means. Just as if we had not sinned. And the next one is Romans chapter 8. Let's go there. Romans chapter 8. There's a lot of... (coughs) Hefty concepts introduced in this portion of Scripture. We are protected by God. And this is the verse that we often quote, but we don't think of it in its context. 28, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom... He did foreknow. He also did predestinate. I say it slow to get it. Foreknow predestination to be conformed to the image of his son. He's talking about Christians and to Christians that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did. Predestinate, them he called, and whom he called, them he justified, and whom he justified, them he glorified. This is put in the in the sense that it's done already, although it's not done. <laughs> it's as good as done. You know, you say that to when you go to work for somebody, and it's good as done, you know. I'm, have confidence in me. <laughs> Put your trust in me, I'll do the job. Well, God's done the job. And it's as good as done in the predestination, the calling, <clears throat> the justification, and the glorification. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? You know, you, 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 did you ever get involved in a fight at school? I pray that we, ju- you were just sort of not part of the doing it you, you got just didn't involved with it, you happened to turn up but anyway <laughs> if you were involved and, and uh, you were picking the fight, you made sure you had a good buddy, a big buddy <laughs> uh, maybe I'm promoting the wrong thing a bit <laughs> make sure you've got someone big there that knows how to deal with the bloke you're going to pick on you know, pick on your own size or whatever <clears throat> We as Christians are tied with God. If you want to pick on me, you're picking on him. <laughs> and do you want to make a, pick a fight with God? It's, it's like I could say to Mr. Putin, you want to pick a fight with Israel, you're picking on God. The Iranian president and prime minister, whatever they call him, you want to pick on Israel, you want to say you wipe them out, you're picking on God, touching the apple of his eye. And when you do, it'll as it were, the fury rises in his face and he gets upset. And for the Christian, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? And uh, that is the confidence that a Christian should have in this world. Have we got that? He that spared not his own son. If he did this for us, we know. That he means what he said. He spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that what? justifieth. It's God that's done this. And you can't lay anything to the charge of God's elect. So as we've looked through these verses, who can be against us? If God is for us, verse 31, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? For God's the one that has justified us. I mean, Satan tries, doesn't he? He accuses us, but we're justified. And the, the, the father sees us through the son and says, he's my child. He's destined for heaven. He's going to be glorified no matter what you bring against him because all that's been brought against him has been covered by the blood. Thank you, Lord, for that. <clears throat> who is he that condemneth? It comes up in verse, well, let's read 33. Who shall answer to the charge of God's elect? Is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. <laughs> so is he, who is he that condemneth? It's Christ that died. He paid the price. It's not me. It's not my works. It's what he's done for me. And then you can go down to verse 35 to 39, and the question is asked, who shall separate us? So notice the four whos in this passage. Who can be against us? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Oh, by the way, it's protected by God. <laughs> that, that, that point C, protected by God. Who is he that condemneth? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And uh, it goes on, persecution or distress; these are the things that could, or seemingly could, tribulation, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. And you know, in Hebrews 11, there talks about they, the, the saints of old, wandered about in caves and dens and had clothes of you know skins of animals. They wandered about, but they were the blessed ones. They are now for eternity. <laughs> As is written, for thy sake we're killed all the day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. In all these things we more than conquerors through him that loved us. And neither death nor life. These are things that cannot separate us from God. Persuade, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present. And and actually the principalities and powers is what we looked at on Wednesday night. The unseen forces of evil, the demons and the devil himself, the principalities and powers, they cannot separate us. Nor things present, nor things to come, no matter what they invent in this world to blow everybody up, they cannot separate us. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And we can say praise the Lord for that promise. We've been protected by God. Do you feel it's something else? Have you got another thing that's not in the list here? You know, what can you include with these lofty things that have been included here that can be against us? Nothing can be against us. We might say that when we are walking in the will of God, we are invincible. Isn't that what it's saying here? <laughs> that's what we're saying. And that's why when the day of Pentecost had happened and those Disciples cowering in a little building, hiding from everybody, came out when they were empowered by the Holy Spirit and totally different. They were, you know, you, you, whether it's right to obey God or man, you you made the choice. We're going to obey God, and they said that to the people that had just crucified the Lord Jesus, and they were empowered by the Holy Spirit to go out, knowing they were invincible, when. We're in the will of God. Don't be foolish enough to go out and think, I'm invincible, so I'm going to do some harebrained thing that's not according to the will of God. (laughs) Don't do that. Because you'll find that you're not invincible on that occasion. (laughs) When you're doing it, we're doing it in our own strength. There's one I didn't conclude here. There's ABC that's presented before, perfect before God, at peace with God as a result of justification, protected by God, we've been we're his children and justified. <clears throat> but there's the predestination or predestinated to glory and um, <clears throat> there's no turning back. And that's in those verses verses uh, twenty eight down to verse uh, thirty verse thirty. There was an article that was put together by Brother Cloud some time back, earlier this year actually, not a long time ago, and it's beware of Molinism. And all these new things are coming on the scene. It's not a new thing. Molinism is a theology developed by the 15th century Jesuit priest. Uh, and, and maybe Troy will get into this in the in the classes. We don't I don't know. And his name was It's a halfway thing between Calvinism and Arminianism. It's been defined, Molinism is an attempt to reconcile God's sovereignty and man's responsibility through the use of a middle knowledge. Starting to get confused already? Yep. (laughs) And one who's promoting it is a fellow called Kenneth Keithley at this time. And he borrows from other people, and they've changed the tulip to roses now different flower <laughs> radical depravity r o overcoming grace s sovereign election e eternal life and s singular redemption to un- unpack molinism and its soteriology the doctrine of salvation and reformed theology has spread quickly and widely through many Baptist churches, particularly in America in the Southern Baptist in these recent few, last few decades. Um, they captured the seminaries spreading rapidly among the more intellectual independent Baptists with Bob Jones University graduates, graduates at the forefront with this new doctrine. Now we use the stuff but it's from Bob Jones but it's about 25 years old and it didn't have it in it. <laughs> In truth, Molinism is Jesuitical philosophical junk. This is what Mr. Cloud said. Some men can't simply and humbly accept what the Bible says. They must try to bind Bible teaching into a philosophical package. And Molinism holds to the fundamental error of John Calvin and his mentor Augustine, which is sovereign election or unconditional election that they talk of. In the tulip thing. The Bible's approach is foreknowledge election, not sovereign election. There is a big difference. Um, <clears throat> that's why we see two major passages. The one we're right in here in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29 to 30, we see foreknowledge election. For whom, that's why I said it slowly earlier in verse 29, for whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate. Let's tie that and, and think simple. Don't, don't think complicated. think simple. go to first Peter chapter one and verse two. <clears throat> we've been predestinated by God, protected by him, at peace with him. First Peter chapter one, verse two. Thinking of this foreknowledge election. Elected or elect according to the foreknowledge of God. The Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. And Peter penned these words. A simple-minded person putting these wonderful truths to paper. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Elected according to God's foreknowledge. Just think of that for a moment. Foreknowledge election. How many things does God know is going to happen in the future? Foreknowledge. Everything. What about us as individuals? Everything. What about all we think? Everything. Let God be God. That's what God knows. So if we've been elected according to his foreknowledge, everything he knew, that means a whole lot of things, doesn't it? He knew that one day you'd be born. He knew everything about you and everything that would happen to you and everything you'd see. <clears throat> and so when it came to the day that you heard the gospel and you responded by faith in believing, he could see that happen. Therefore, he could elect you, based on his foreknowledge, elected according to the foreknowledge of God. I don't know if I can put it more simply because it's a very confusing subject today and it's running rampant and taken over many a Baptist church and Union Baptist churches in our country and around the world. And this is what here in verse Peter 1, 2 and over in Romans chapter 8. It's speaking about foreknowledge election. God based his, his election, our election, of us on his foreknowledge. The Bible begins with God's foreknowledge and foreknowledge is not free will. We have a choice in it, the Greek. Words that are used here, the verb and the noun in Romans 8.29 and 1 Peter one two, mean to know beforehand or foresee or have forethought. Foreknowledge election which is the plain simple teaching of scripture but we've mankind has complicated it all we have free will and free choice this this is why when you look at the bible and you go to the gospel of john and he said like john 3:16 for whosoever he can make that declaration and be honest about it not saying it's only the whosoever of the elect no it's everybody's invited Everybody. Don't try to say, well, I'm elected. Oh, look at me. No, no. That's a proud. God ch- chose me because he knew the decision. And it allows for free will, doesn't it? It makes the choice and the responsibility it ours. I've always argued how can God have a judgment and condemn people to hell if he elected them to go there to start with? That's horrible. That's not the God of the Bible that I know he he does not damn t- people to hell unless they choose to rebel against the gospel of Jesus Christ let's look at 1 john chapter 2 and verse 2 i'm parking here a little bit john, 1 john chapter 2 and verse 2 it talks about propitiation in Verse 1, we have an advocate with the Father. I'm oh, sorry, in verse 2. <laughs> it's Jesus Christ the righteous. Verse 2, he, and he is the propitiation. He is the satisfaction. He made the payment that we might be justified for our sins and not for ours. Now, who's ours? Who, who's the ours there? Believers, Christians. Not for ours only, but also for the sins of how much? The whole world. His blood was able to atone for the sins of every individual. And the invitation goes out to how many? Every individual, whosoever. And God knew that certain ones would believe they're the elected ones. And go to First Timothy chapter two. We're not far away from that, First Timothy chapter two. It says the same thing, chapter two and verse three. We read, we read therefore am I right? yep is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Saviour who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth that's his perfect will God is not willing that Any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for how many? All people, all people. I think it's getting through to us that the Bible says God wants all men to be saved. He doesn't want anyone to be condemned. He doesn't elect and predestinate and condemn them to eternal hell they choose of their own will and volition to go there by rejecting the gospel and disobeying the gospel, as Peter says, that is given to them. In verse, well, we've read verse 4. We'll go to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9. We read, And we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honour, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for how many people? For every man. Underline those. This just a few that I thought of. I didn't go hunting. It was just those that popped into my mind as I was thinking about this. In John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever. <clears throat> Monolism. <laughs> Something not to believe. It's taking conservatives by storm. Foreknowledge election is what God has resented in his word. It's something that can be taught to highly literate and illiterate people as well. We don't have to explain by dense man-made terms what it all means. Let me try to pronounce some of the words that have been brought up that are not biblical, by the way, by those who speak of the sovereign election instead of foreknowledge election. Calvinistic terms such as superpolaria and the rest of the word. <laughs> <laughs> Subpolaritism. Infloplaritism. Have you ever heard them in the Bible or read them? Compatibilism. Monergism. Synergism. I've heard of that one. Hypothetical atonement. Liber- libertarian free will subjective grace, immediate imputation. What does it make people who use these big words and can say them look like to people? Wow, you know, they must be right because they use those words. (laughs) Ah, if they use their words, they're usually covering something up that they don't want you to know about. Ah, don't be hoodwinked by the old devil. He'll bring any trick out of his book to try to damn people to hell, keep them going there for eternity. And God is with open arms inviting people to come to him that they might know him and have eternal life. Let's not get hoodwinked by the philosophies and big words of people that come on the scene. I would like these people that are in this position to go out and do an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. Somehow they're getting paid for doing nothing and thinking and dreaming up these things and pulling it from a Jesuit priest of all things into our century today. Let's not be deceived. We have been justified because the Lord has predestinated us to be glorified, predestinated to be to glory. Are you predestinated to glory? There's no turning back once you believe, is there? And last of all, pardoned, pardoned by God. <coughs> Here's our point D. <coughs> we stand, acquitted, debt free, pardoned by the Lord. Let's read Isaiah 55 and verses one and two. and see that how the Lord has pardoned us. I don't know that. Have you ever been let off the hook for a crime you've committed? Yeah. Ariel smiling, I know what she's thinking. (laughs) She told me about it last week. (laughs) You can talk to her later. But I got pulled up too by a policeman, (laughs) Ariel, and he said we've gone home from prayer meeting, it was late at night and we'd gone over one of the bridges down past the basketball stadium. And I was just talking to Jill and Nobody around, no cars, no one there. And, uh, yeah, there was. (laughs) He was hiding in the bushes, a policeman. And he pulled it up and he said, you're speeding. I said, was I? (laughs) I might have been. I don't know. I was just coming home from prayer meeting and that. He said, well, listen. He said, listen. He said, writer, I can see, and they got the record straight up on their computer. Write a a letter. You know, you haven't been pulled up and haven't been booked for years and years and years. Can't even see a record of it. He said, you'll get off the hook you'll be pardoned. (laughs) You won't have to pay for what the crime you've committed. And I thought, I really didn't commit a crime, I don't think. But anyway, (laughs) we're all like that when we get pulled up, aren't we? (laughs) You know, I said, sir, I didn't mean. And next time, maybe not, (laughs) I'll say if I park the car on top of that bridge and roll down, I'd be ended up at 70 kilometres. I've tried it since. (laughs) (laughs) I made sure he wasn't around. <laughs> this is on TV. <laughs> but you see, it's like, the, it's like um, Uncle Frank. He got pulled up by the police. He said, what do you think the lines are there for on the road, the double lines? He said, well, to see on a foggy night, of course. <laughs> the policeman wasn't impressed. He didn't get pardoned. <laughs> but pardoned. Forgiven, dead free, do we get it? We're justified, (laughs) just as if we had not sinned, and there is no record kept. That's what the Lord Jesus did for us, and I think we ought to be thankful. We're going to Isaiah 55, won't we? Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come. To the waters, and he that hath no money, come, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk, without money and without price. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labour for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat that which is good. Let your soul delight itself in fatness. And go down to verse 6 now. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And that's why the Lord has said, He that has been forgiveth much, loveth much. Because he's been abundantly pardoned, set free. Well, we haven't time. I haven't got a watch, but I sense it's late. I can't find my clock. (laughs) But in Romans, you go look there in chapter 3 and read how the word's used four times there, the word justified, by grace, by faith, declared righteous. We receive the imputed righteousness of Christ when we believe. There's an illustration I've used before, but maybe you haven't heard it. Some years ago, a wealthy Englishman brought a Rolls-Royce car and took it to France on his vacation it broke down huh. at great expense to the factory the, fa- the factory flew out and a mechanic <coughs> and not only repaired the car but entertained the customer in the best available hotel when he arrived home he expected to receive a bill but none came eventually he wrote asking for his account to be rendered he received this reply <coughs> from the Rolls-Royce company dear sir we have no record of any, anything ever happening or going wrong with your car. Now, I don't know if it was pride of Rolls Royce or whatever, but we have no record. And folks, that's exactly what it means to be justified. We'll get there and God will say, I've no record of that. And a sovereign God doing that for sinful people is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Oh, Lord, thank you for the simplicity but the complexity of it too. I pray that we would grasp the concepts that are given, the principles that are taught, the truth, and make it ours. Believe it by faith. Lord, thank you that one day you came knocking at our heart's door. Somebody, something, shared the good news of the gospel. And we believed by faith. And we become a child of God and just as if we had never sinned, pardoned by God himself, he has no record of our sins. Lord, thank you that you don't keep a record of our sins. But for the unsaved, the books were open and the book of works was open and they're judged according to their works. And what a horrible thing it will be Lord, let us be grateful and thankful. And for the unsaved, let them repent and come to the Lord today. For today is the day of salvation. And then they'll be included in the elect. Bless us as we part now in Jesus' name. Amen.